2: Happy Juneteenth, June, (laughs) Juneteenth, tough getting that out. Yeah, the big guy made it official just a little while ago when he signed a law that declares June 19th uh, or Juneteenth a federal holiday. He actually gave for him, for him, a spectacularly good speech. He didn't fall asleep. He didn't trip over words on the teleprompter. He didn't yell at anybody. So he said a lot of nice things too. But he also managed, as everybody expected he would, um, to take advantage of the ceremony and make some political points. He said that the promise of equality would not be fulfilled, quote, so long as the sacred right to vote remains. Uh, the sacred right to vote remains under attack. That got applause from the audience. And then he said, we see this assault from restrictive laws, threats of intimidation, voter purges, and more. So he states as a fact that the right to vote is under attack. That's what he says in that speech, which uh, is a debatable issue uh, outside of the Democratic Party, but that's called politicizing an event. So he made sure to get a plug-in for his goal of federalizing our elections. Fourteen Republicans in the House voted against this law to make it a national holiday, federal holiday. But, but the vote was unanimous in the Senate. So what's not to like about this? If you are black, this is a celebration of freedom. And it's also a celebration of freedom if you're not black. Come on, it's, it's the end of slavery. But what will June 19th or Juneteenth turn into? And is now a good time to be declaring it a national holiday? It would seem so. Uh, with the country being as divided as it is, but that's only if it's not used as a political football. Well, Project 21 is an organization made up of black conservatives, and that group uh, doesn't think that this is a good idea at all. And when we come back after the break, we're going to talk to somebody from that organization to find out why. And then in our second half hour, speaking of race, uh, we're going to have the author of a book called An Inconvenient Minority the attack on Asian-American excellence, and the fight for meritocracy. Asians are people of color, too, and they have a major problem with a lot of what the government has been doing to them. Stick around. Hi, folks.
0: Dennis Prager here. Can thieves really steal your home's title? Take it from this thief, who stole over 150 homes and was sentenced to 25 years in prison. That is why you need Home Title Lock.
1: Not only that, you don't even own your home anymore. It's not even in your name. Heard enough? Go
0: to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim and enter RADIO for 30 free days of protection. That's promo
1: code RADIO at HomeTitleLock.com. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Get a Harry's starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy.
4: Debs constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating kept giving her grief. She talked to her doctor to get some relief. Turns out Deb had irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBS C, which was a start. Saying yes to Linzest helped her do her part.
0: Linzest or Linaclotide is a prescription medicine that treats IBS C in adults. Linzest works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give linces to children less than six Sponsored by Avian Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. This is an urgent warning for any American with an IRA or 401k. Our federal debt is now over $28 trillion and growing faster by the second. What no one is telling you is the Fed is running out of ways to fight this growing burden. Inflation is the only way out. As a result, your retirement portfolio could be in serious trouble. Learn how you can protect your life savings with safe haven assets like physical gold and silver. Call 855-908-0039 now and speak to a professional at GoldCo. Representatives are standing by to give every caller a free precious metals IRA guide with steps you can take to secure your financial future with precious metals. Call 855-908-0039 now. The pros at Gold Co. have helped thousands of satisfied Americans own gold and silver inside their portfolios to protect against the rising threat of inflation. Pick up your phone now and dial 855-908-0039. Representatives are standing by. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer.
2: On Tuesday, the Senate voted unanimously to make uh, Juneteenth a federal holiday. President Biden signed it into law just about an hour ago. Uh, It's June 19th, and it'll be officially known as Juneteenth National Independence Day. Just about everybody was feeling good about it. One group that's not, though, is Project 21, the Black Leadership Network. Derek Green is a member of that organization and a commentator and columnist, and he joins us now. Derek, thanks for coming on the show.
5: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
2: So uh, Joe Biden gave a nice speech today, uh, actually a great speech for him. I know that it's a low bar, but it was a great speech for him just a little while ago he gave it. He talked about what a wonderful day today is because it made the end of slavery a federal holiday. What what could go wrong with that? (laughs) Well, there's
5: a number of things that could go wrong. I think, one, I think we should should all as Americans celebrate the fact that we are, one, acknowledging a historical tragedy, and two, trying to make amends for it, recognizing it and, and, and trying to make amends for it. What could go wrong with it is that, as we've seen since last summer, uh, racial justice activists, uh, you know, are are akin to use certain certain uh, ideas, thoughts, attitudes, behaviors, even holidays, as tools to continue to bludgeon fellow uh, white Americans uh, for racism, trying to tie them to uh, hi- historical white supremacy and and you know, basically adjudicating them guilt by association. And so, I think that's one of the things that at least I personally was uh, apprehensive about making this a national holiday. It's just just another tool for for people on the other side to simply say, let's throw this racism thing back in your face. And and I think it does a lot to separate us more than it does to bring us together.
2: Uh, Your organization, Project 21, in a release yesterday said, uh, quote, Project 21 members who have supported the Juneteenth message of self-improvement and opportunity for decades, expressed concern about the upgrade and questioned the motives for it. Uh, President Biden did use his speech today to make some political points about voting rights and health care and maybe a couple other things. Is that why it's a problem? The, the, uh, that's what you're talking about, the politic po- politi- co- politicization of it.
5: Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, again, the, the push to make Juneteenth a national holiday came right after the national and international protests uh, following the, the, the killing of George Floyd uh, by Minneapolis police. And so we saw from the very beginning how it can be used not as a tool to unite, but to divide. Now Joe Biden is throwing in things like voting rights, which is strange to me, considering that most black Americans support uh, 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 voting rights uh, that it ensures their votes are going to be counted. And it seems to me that the black representation of the vote has increased over the last several years at the same time that it has been uh, some of these voter ID laws have, have been implemented. So we see how, how members of the center left will try to use these things to their advantage. And I think that, uh, people in the center right have to be aware of that and, and have very, very clear responses, uh, to, to, to this, uh, going forward.
2: As I mentioned in, uh, in my open to the show, um, Joe Biden said that uh, we can't uh, have total unity. We, we things will not be right until we uh, eliminate the scourge of uh, or, or maintain the sacred right to vote, and it's under attack. Um, it's it's one thing to say, I mean, to, to make that statement as though it's a statement of fact. That that's isn't that a kind of a debatable thing that the the actual right to vote is under attack right now? Is there is there some debate about that?
5: Well, I don't, I don't even think it's debatable because I haven't seen evidence that, that, that you know, for, for, for him to say that. Where is the evidence that supports that, that claim? Where is the evidence that saying that they, people want to ensure the integrity of the vote across multiple states is akin to Jim Crow 2.0? Where's the evidence to support that? Again, if we remember, if it were not for black women above the age of 55, President Barack Obama, the nation's first black president, wouldn't have been reelected in 2012. So every year that, that, that a state comes out to try to ensure the integrity of the vote, the black representation goes up. So the evidence of, for, for Joe Biden or anybody on the political left to say that, the, that voter integrity or, or blacks' uh, access to the vote is being infringed upon, they have to provide data, and they haven't done that.
2: Uh, um, would you say that that uh, black people in general um, will support this, or uh, or have have black kids been taught enough about this in school to even know what it is? Because I, I, I you know I don't remember ever being taught. I'm not black, but I don't remember anything being taught about this when I was in school. No, and
5: that's the thing. I think that that one, our schools don't teach much more. Uh, they teach you what to think, not how to think. So one this isn't, isn't being taught. Fortunately for me I was I was taught this at a very early age. My father is from Texas and so every summer we would go to Texas. We would celebrate this particular event. But again there's a lot of people, a lot of Americans, regardless of their color, that, that, that didn't know about the Tulsa race riots. And so I think it's a good thing for us to discuss these things because it's not we don't want to look at it so narrowly as to say that it's just black history. It is black history as a part of American history. So I think that by having this as a, as a federal holiday, again, I, I'm agnostic about it because of what I stated earlier. It does it it can prove useful to teach you know, American blacks, particularly children, what has happened in the past uh, so they have a better knowledge of, and, and, and hopefully a better appreciation of what it means to be an American uh, going forward.
2: Is enough taught to kids, black and white, when subjects like this are brought up? And, uh, you know, we could get into the, the discussion about the 1619 Project and all that stuff. But when, when a subject like this is discussed... Um, is it too often discussed as see what white people have done to you and why you should be upset and why you're a victim, and not enough about how it's something that happened? It was terrible. We've uh, come a long way since then, and we can't let it ever happen again.
5: Yeah, I think that's correct. I think that's correct. I think that and that was more part of one of my fears is that it would just simply be used to re emphasize the idea of this oppressor oppressed. Binary that blacks are constantly oppressed by whites, uh, and you know, and, and everything that that is associated with it. So that's my fear. I, I I would like for them to teach the importance of Juneteenth separate and apart from the 1619 project or any type of critical race theory. Uh, you know, foundational materials to simply say this is the history of, of the the of slavery. This is the Emancipation Proclamation. This was what happened as a result of the Civil War. You know, there were slaves that were still in Texas that did not hear about their freedom, or news about their freedom uh, was kept from them. And the, the Union Army came through and, and liberated what was left of the slaves in the Confederate States. I think that should be taught separate and apart from all the other things, the revisionist history uh, that seems to be you know, uh, in in vogue right now in, in post of, uh, primary and secondary
2: schools. We're talking to Derek Green of Project 21, the Black Leadership Network, about the, uh, the uh, dec- well, I guess the signing into law just a little while ago of uh, right. Juneteenth uh, becoming a federal holiday. Uh, that would be June 19th. Uh, now, of course, any white politician or media person who doesn't act thrilled about this and has any questions like the ones that you're just raising here, uh is going to be condemned as a racist is that unavoidable at this point uh, in this
5: in, in this climate I think it is regardless of how constructive uh the responses or concerns or for example the 14 members of the Republican party that voted against this despite how constructive you know their their decision was they're going to be castigated as racist despite the fact that 195 members of the Republican party uh supported this this piece of legislation so it, it doesn't it's unfortunate, but many in white Americans are going to be labeled racist regardless. So they have to know that going in. But there are some legitimate concerns about making it a federal holiday. They just have to be constructive in the in ways that they voice those concerns. I saw Charlie Kirk say something on, on Twitter today that said that this holiday was based in race. And I thought that was those are the types of, of statements that get, breathe life into the caricatures in, of, of conservatives. You have to be much more constructive. This holiday wasn't based on race. It was about emancipation of what was left of slaves in the former Confederacy. So you can be against making a federal holiday. Just be sensible and smart about how you voice your opposition to making it a federal holiday. I think that is a legitimate concern.
2: And uh, should we expect <laughs> this, uh, as I think you mentioned, to, to be a, a tool to promote critical race theory and reparations? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think so.
5: I, I think there was a a, a a member of the Congressional Black Caucus that said this isn't enough. Now she wants to push more for reparations, and so that again, these are these are legitimate concerns that Americans, regardless of color, can raise going forward about making this a federal holiday. Now the push is going to be on for of reparations, and I'm sure before the summer is over or before the year is over, there's going to be much more talk about reparations and how that can manifest itself. Although I don't think reparations will be. Uh, given, uh, you know, as 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 a result, it's just more of a push to bludgeon Americans over the head to say you are part of this cohort that are that's irredeemably racist. Now you have to prove to us that you aren't by giving us more concessions. And again, I think that that increases racial resentment more than it does any any form of unity that we could we, could, we need right now.
2: Uh, I- I've been a white guy all my life, and so it's hard for me to, to have any clue about a lot of this stuff, about how I should react to it. So I try not to um, put myself in the place of a black person because I don't think it's possible. But as a, as a black guy yourself, um, how, have things gotten better since Barack Obama was elected twice as president of the United States or worse? For between blacks and whites, and and, 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 and the media portrayal of, of, how, uh, of the racial issues in, in America?
5: Yeah, I, I think that's the central key, is the media portrayal, because if you turn off the media, blacks and whites get along fine. It's just the big-mouth activists, whether they're white or black, primarily in the middle class, that are trying to divide us even further. I mean, if you think about just since last year and this whole program, this agenda of defunding the police, that has gained momentum in a number of states and a number of cities by big mouth racial activists, those directly against those blacks in neighborhoods that need much more of a police presence who are ad- advocating for more of a police presence to keep them safe. So there's not only a a, a differential between uh, you know those big mouths in the, in the middle class. There's there's a differential between you know racial black racial justice advocates that are in the middle class and the ones that are in the lower class who need more police protection to enjoy the same quality of life that others observe. Have the, and enjoy,
2: yeah. Have the media, because of what they focus on and and what they haven't focused on, uh, contributed to stereotypes and. And inflame things just because of the stories they choose to cover and the way they cover it
5: yeah that's 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 listen I've always I've always argued that uh, there's still an element of systemic racism in the country just not as the way the left portrays it I think it is uh, a form of racism to lower the standards and expectations of black Americans when you start you know talking you know shielding the description of of, of a American black who, who commits a crime or uh, not, you know, going in as hard upon him as you would, uh, another, uh, you know, American, regardless of race, you lower these standards and what you end up doing is you start to create this perception that blacks are still second class citizens when compared to their multi-ethnic American counterparts. This is what they're doing. And so I, I just, people should turn off the news, you know, enjoy their lives because we get along better regardless of race in our day-to-day lives. What they portray is what is the narrative that they want to perpetuate. But that narrative usually contradicts all of our lives and uh, in, in, in how we live. And actually, if you think about some of them, like Don Lemon and, and Patrice Cullors, who's a founding member of Black Lives Matter, the narrative that they perpetuate differs from the very lives that they themselves live. So it's just a divide and conquer tactic that Americans should really realize uh, is, 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 is intentional. Uh, and we have to reject it. Uh, with, all, with all the energy that
2: we can. We're talking to uh, Derek Green. He's uh, with, the Project, with Project 21, the Black Leadership Network, uh, and talking about uh, Juneteenth being declared uh, and signed into law uh, today as a federal holiday by President Biden. Uh, Joy reads on CNN telling people that uh, kids are not told how uh, bad slavery was. She's, I think that's what she said the other night that kids go to school and they're not they're, they're not told about slavery. Um, I went to school a million years ago but we were told about slavery a lot um, and, and, and and Abraham Lincoln uh, because of what he did uh, for uh, to end slavery uh, was elevated to sainthood. How does somebody mm-hmm. get on national television and declare that people aren't being told about slavery for the last? hundred years.
5: Yeah, I don't I don't think that that has any basis. In fact, again, that that is something that Joy Reid and and some of her counterparts will say to perpetuate the particular narrative. But if you pay attention to print media, you see you starting to see a lot of school districts and a lot of state politicians openly reject this type of critical race theory that that talks about slavery, but not only talks about slavery, says, again, as I said earlier, that white people today are guilty of the sins that white people, related or not, committed in, in our nation's past. So I think that, that what she said is actually false. I think it's actually it's, it's the exact opposite. I think that we talk about slavery far too much. I think we talk about uh, Jim Crow segregation far too much. It isn't to say that we shouldn't talk about them, but these are the same people who talk about them and belabor the point. And what happens when you, you, you w- w- at least the way I see it, is that American blacks spend too much time looking in the past rather than looking forward to the future and taking agency of their own lives and saying this, because I am an American, warts and all, this is how I'm going to engage self-determination and dictate my life and determine my own fate and the fate of my family, rather than simply concentrating on historical uh, systemic racism or institutional racism or segregation, which any person who is intellectually honest will say and morally honest will say, we have made tremendous strides since the 1960s.
2: So there, there's a fine line between acknowledging the sins of the past and spending too much time focused on them at the expense of the present and future. Is that kind of what you're saying?
5: That's exactly right, because all of the effort and energy to go into to relive the sins of the past it actually pre- it is a distraction because it prevents blacks, again, like I said before, from taking agency of their own lives. Mm-hmm. If blacks don't like the particular school system that their children are being educated in, they have the obligation to go and protest at school or to, to fight for the best education that their children can get. If they think that, that, that uh, or eliminating ACT or SAT scores is going to put their, their children in a uh, disadvantage going into college, they need to go and protest and have their voices heard. So that looking in the history is important marker so we don't repeat it, but it shouldn't determine where we go in the future. Like you said, we don't want to repeat it, but it serves as a distraction because we sit there and we get focused on removing Confederate monuments. But how does removing the Confederate monument improve the black family? How does it make blacks, black men and women uh, get married and stay married and have children within wedlock? How does it improve the quality of life of American blacks? And it doesn't. So we have to just kind of eliminate these distractions, put them in proper context, and then say – now that we are fully part of the American experiment, let us determine what we want to do, not have people speaking and brokering on our behalf to give us what they think we need. That's what we should be doing.
2: Hey, Derek, uh, you couldn't have said it better. Uh, just tremendous stuff today. I really appreciate you coming on. Perfect time to have you. Uh, Derek Green of Project 21, the Black Leadership Network. Thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, we'll Absolutely. be right back.
4: With SRN News, I'm John Scott. The Supreme Court has ruled in favor of a Catholic adoption agency that refuses to place foster children with same-sex couples. Matt Staber is with Liberty Council. I'm
5: very pleased to see that there is a continuing uh, dedication to protecting free exercise of religion under the First Amendment, and this is another example.
4: The High Court says the city of Philadelphia ran afoul of religious protections when it severed its relations with the Catholic Social Services Agency. The U.S. is voting more than $3 billion to advance development of antiviral pills for COVID-19 and other dangerous viruses that could turn into pandemics. The pills would be used to minimize symptoms after infection. They're now in development and could arrive by year's end. On Wall Street, stocks remain mixed. The Dow is down 253 points, the Nasdaq up 122. This is SRN
6: News. Are you dealing with personal or business tax issues with the IRS? Does the thought of wage garnishments, bank levies, tax penalties, or having to engage with the IRS worry you? Owing taxes to the IRS or state can be stressful, and ignoring them can make your situation worse. At Federal Tax Law Group, we help individuals and businesses reduce debts and negotiate with the IRS Fresh Start Program. Our assistance can save you from drowning in taxes and may even keep you free of prosecution. With over two decades of experience, our tax professionals understand your needs and will customize a tax solution that's in your best interest. Call Federal Tax Law Group at 800-500-9172 for a free consultation to discuss resolving your tax problem. That's 800-500-9172. Again, 800-500-9172. Or visit us online at federaltaxlawgroup.com.
0: America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Biden, you shouldn't be in the White House. What did he say about geopolitics in Russia? I have no confidence in anything. Neither do we, as long as you're the president. America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Afternoons at 3, right before John Steigerwald at 5 on AM 1250. The answer.
1: This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy & Hagerman. Writing an estate plan is one thing. Having the experience to administer the estate is something else. At Abernathy & Hagerman, estate administration isn't a side job. It's what we do. You have the same goals we all do, to protect your assets, to minimize taxes, and ensure your inheritance gets to the ones that you love. How you get there, that's specific to you. So let's talk. Eggerman Law, legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law. I have a traumatizing childhood memory of an Easter egg hunt. The big hunt was
5: a big deal in our family. And I have this memory of running and excitedly reaching for eggs, only to have my big brother and sister sweep in and steal them at the last second. It's Ryan. And unfortunately, this is a traumatizing reality our Faith and Family Mortgage Team is seeing from families across the country. Families are finding their dream home, only to have it pulled away by another
0: hunter at the last second.
5: At United Faith Mortgage, we unfortunately cannot scare off the other hunters, but we can very quickly get you pre-approved and make it look as good as possible to sellers. And then, once you do grab that Easter egg, see our story and read how our direct lender advantage can often save your family monthly and lifelong money at UnitedFaithMortgage.com.
1: We our United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA, United Mortgage Core, 25 Metal Park, Road, Meadow, New York, License Mortgage Banker. For all licensing information, go to or Corporate Animalist number 1335, Rack Animalist number 65233, Equal Housing Lender. I license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. AM
0: 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. WPGP, Pittsburgh. W223CS, Pittsburgh. A division of Save on Media Group. Listen on the answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in iHeart, or radio.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer.
1: We're hanging on to some heavy delays out there. Parkway East, outbound. It's a long line from Forbes Avenue to Edgewood. Swissvale, close to a 15-minute backup. On the inbound side, pretty solid 2nd Avenue to the Fort Pitt Bridge. Parkway West seeing just normal rush hour volume, but not any major backups. Just a little slowdown here and there. Inbound on 28. It's backed up from Route 8 to Grant Avenue. An accident just cleared out. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson.
0: AM 1250, the answer, weather. We'll see partly cloudy skies for tonight with a low of 59. Variable cloudiness tomorrow with a thunderstorm in the afternoon. Tomorrow we'll see a high of 81. Tomorrow night, watch for a severe thunderstorm in the evening, otherwise mainly cloudy. Those thunderstorms can bring flash flooding, large hail and damaging wind gusts. The low 67. Clouds and sun for Saturday, a thunderstorm in the area, high 79. With your weather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. You're listening to The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The
2: Answer. Well, it would probably be safe to assume that most black people in America are pretty happy uh, today about a federal holiday for uh, Juneteenth being signed into law today, although we heard from a black conservative just a few minutes ago, a black conservative uh, guy from a conservative organization that's not happy at all. Uh, we heard about that just a few minutes ago. And what will this do for racial relations going forward? And racial issues are not just about blacks and whites. Asians have their own set of issues. Kenny Shu has written a book. Uh, that's Kenny XU has written a book called, quote, uh, An Inconvenient Minority, the Attack on Asian American Excellence and the Fight for Meritocracy. And he joins us now. Kenny, thanks for being here.
3: Uh, Thank you for having
2: me. So in the preface of your book, you write, uh, Black Americans are the most deeply ingrained example of the bearers of burdens that come with being a minority, of being enslaved, forced to work in a colorized world, and judged solely uh, according to the color of their skin, but they are not the only ones. How is it different for Asians? Uh, I know you you can't speak for being a black person, and I'm a white guy, but... You have, uh, you're an Asian guy living in America, and, you, and you, uh, you know how it is for kids growing up here. So, how's it different?
3: Well, it's different. It's different and the same. Uh, the same is, you know, Asian Americans have also experienced discrimination in, in the United States, especially in the 1800s with Chinese exclusion and Japanese internment, of course, with uh, the federal government under the FDR administration back then. Um, so they, they've experienced discrimination, um, but it's different now because now Asian Americans, you know, part of, part of the creating or part of this narrative is, is about creating the idea that, um, members of certain minority groups, uh, deserve recompense for some of the sins of the past that this nation has committed against them. And Asian Americans, um, do not have access to this kind of recompense narrative. Um, in fact, the idea of affirmative action, which was built to give recompense to black minorities, so to speak, actually, uh, causes Asian Americans, highly qualified Asian Americans to lose spots in admissions and hiring and in public contracting. So my book *An inconvenient minority really examines the consequences of well, preferring one racial minority. Uh, but then of course, causing another racial minority to decline in the process
2: so it all gets back to just not doing or acting or judging uh anything or anybody based on the color of somebody's skin
3: yeah you know pretty simple sorry yeah it's it's pretty simple I, i would say I would say what we allow in our system in America today, when we allow race preferences in admissions, which we do, by the way, universities are allowed to discriminate on the basis of race in the admissions process, usually for a certain diversity reason or one reason or another. We're basically, you know, asking universities to give preferences for somebody less qualified than another person. And, you know, I think that's wrong. I think that America and admissions really should be a meritocracy, and I think that's beneficial for all racial groups, uh, as I argue in my book.
2: Yeah, um, and you also write that the, the social advancement of Asian, I'm quoting now, social advancement of Asian uh, American uh, people despite historic marginalization is remarkable and, in fact, inconveniences the racial narrative advocated by today's culturally dominant intellectual left. Could you expound on that a little bit?
3: Mm-hmm. So, Asian Americans, like I've just explained, have experienced institutional discrimination in this country, but regardless, they have been able to achieve in in American society. And this is a story that should be celebrated. They have, uh, in one generation, you have Vietnamese Americans who come here, 80% of them don't even know English. And within one generation, their kids turn out bachelor's degrees at a higher rate than even white Americans in this country. This is an example of the American dream doing its work. Uh, a minority group is able to come here and achieve uh, in just in generationally advance. And of course, this undermines the narrative. This reality undermines the narrative that is being expressed by today's left, which says that if you're a minority, you are destined to oppression and that the laws are still stacked against you. Well, if the laws are still stacked against you, how come this minority comes and uh, is able to achieve the way that it does?
2: Yeah, and you talk a lot about uh, Thomas Jefferson High School in uh, Arlington, Virginia. Um, does what, what happened there and what is going on there, uh, if you could explain the situation there, is that pretty much sum up what's going on and what you're talking about in your book? Is that a pretty, just about as good as an example as you can get?
3: It's the first example that I use in my book, An Inconvenient Minority. Um, the reason why is because what happened in Thomas Jefferson High School, Thomas Jefferson High School is the number one high school for science and technology in the country today. It's also about 70% Asian American. This has inspired resentment from the nation's elite liberals in the, in the county who believe that you know, the Asian Americans are coming in too hot and too strong uh, because just a generation ago, there were half as many Asian Americans in the, in the school. So they created a new policy that said, admissions is going to be a lottery now. What's the net effect of that? And the net effect of that is the percentage of admission of Asian Americans in that school is going to drop by half. And also, since admissions isn't based on merit, it's going to harm the school's reputation for excellence. So this is just a microcosm of what's happening when you try to attack Asian American excellence in this country. You, you lose the reputation. You lose the culture of excellence that this country works so hard to create.
2: Yeah, and um, this this is not just happening at the high school level. I mean, that that's a, a great example of Thomas Jefferson uh, School, and uh, I guess the question would be, how is that? Ha- how did it happen that a school that uh, has strong um, you you have to be well qualified to get in there? It's a, it's a really strong academic school. Uh, how did it come about that seventy percent of the kids ended up be, being Asian?
3: It's a well, it, you have to. Be, you're right. You have to be very qualified to get in this school. In fact, one parent who I talked to said it's a meat grinder. That's what she said because her kids are going to bed regularly later than the parents are, and because they have to study over and over again. If you're not prepared for this curriculum, if you're not adequately prepared, you are going to get stomped on. That's just the case about what happens at these schools. So what happens is that, well, Asian American children, you know, they are they study very hard. They, they learn studying at a very young age. Uh, their parents really invest in that. Even poor Asian parents invest in their kids' education and studying. They study an average of 15 hours a week, which is more than half the amount of hours that, the average American studies in this country. So they are able to keep up. They are able to prepare. They are able to learn math at a high rate. And as a result, you can teach post-college math in high school at Thomas Jefferson because the quality of the population is so high.
2: And what's wrong with that? (laughs) Well, (laughs) who sees that (laughs) as a problem? (laughs) Okay, okay. Well,
3: I don't think there's a problem with that. But I understand why liberals might think that there's a problem with that, because they're wondering, they're looking at this crowd, and they're saying, well, what about my, what about my child? Why can't my child get into, this, get into this school? Well, the answer is because your child is not good enough for this school. Um, I know it's a really hard truth. It's a really harsh truth. But if your child cannot compete in this level of curriculum, then he should not be going to this school. That's just the reality.
2: You know, part of your the title of your book is uh, The Fight for Meritocracy. And uh, there's no better example of it than that uh, uh, about people becoming upset that a, uh, a a little, a few too many people of the wrong color or, or ethnicity are scoring well on our tests that are supposed to determine who comes, who's allowed to come here, and who isn't.
3: I mean, yeah, and and you know, I have, I have, I look, I have sympathy for. People in well, not I have sympathy. I have empathy mm-hmm. for people who uh, are who believe that a test or um, or getting into a prestigious college is going to determine the outcome of one's life. Um, what I know and what studies have shown is that if your child is smart enough to get into an Ivy League college, but uh, chooses a different college, it, it actually turns out that your your kid is probably going to do just as well as if he went to an Ivy League college through studying. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there's, this, there's this competition culture among the nation's elite. And when they see that the people who are getting spots by merit are disproportionately Asian American, there's some jealousy and uh, resentment going on. And they use that. Of course, they justify it in the name of diversity and inclusion, but the net effect of most of these policies is actually to cut down the number of Asians substantially at these universities and top public schools.
2: And um, I don't know. I didn't. I, I wasn't able to read your entire book. I just found out about it the other day. But um, looking through it, uh, um, what does what what can everybody learn from the success of Asian kids in schools and 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 uh, their ability to when given a fair shot to surpass everybody academically, they're not born smarter well, smarter than white kids and black kids. They're not. No, and
3: it's it is a fallacy to say that Asian Americans have higher IQs. Uh, it's it's actually their success is independent of their IQ, uh, according to studies. But but well, what can what can everybody learn from this? Well, every if you're a parent of and you want your child to succeed. There's no substitute for hard work. There really isn't. Um, and Asian parents give up a lot so that their children can be well-educated. Um, you know, they, they, they give up sleepless nights sometimes. Um, some Asian Americans give up social life to some extent because they have to study. Um, everything in life is about trade-offs, you know. If you want your child to be really academically successful and really rigorous and able to compete in that playing field, you know, you you have to consider putting your kids uh, or or parenting your kids in a way that allows them to experience the best fruits of their education. There's really no way around it.
2: There's a couple of paragraphs I want to uh, read uh, under the heading of uh, what Asians stand to lose. Asians are in a unique position of having the meritoc- meritocratic spirit pushing them to advance flattened by diversity ideology, which is then propped up by the economic class for its use through the example of Asian success, they face the diversity double standard. But this also puts Asians in a position to use this experience to speak out for truth, truth so politically incorrect to articulate, most would lose their careers over it. But to allow diversity ideology to fester within a company is to ask for its eventual death and in due course, the death of the country. That's a... A couple of strong paragraphs there, Kenny. <laughs>
3: well, think about it this way. Why are our companies so competitive? Why are our businesses, our universities so competitive? Because they admit they hire the best people, they train the best people so that they can use the best opportunities out of those best people. You know, we used to believe that Harvard and Yale produced the best people. That's why we had people recruiting from Harvard and Yale. Now it has become apparent that Harvard's system of admissions is so self-serving that it no longer recruits simply the best people, but it actually discriminates against the best people to make room for minorities, to make room for uh, specifically black and Hispanic minorities, to make room for privileged legacy kids, to make room for children of donors, which make up 10% of Harvard's class. Look, if you are... A system where you keep doing this and allow diversity and inclusion to overtake meritocracy in your admissions and hiring process, you are asking for the slow death, perhaps faster than you think, of your company and of your organization.
2: We are talking to Kenny Shu and that is spelled XU. He's the author of An Inconvenient Minority, the Attack on Asian American Excellence, and the Fight for uh, Meritocracy. You also have a chapter called uh, Shut Up About the Test. You want to tell us what that's all about?
3: Everybody loves to complain about the test. Everybody loves to complain about the uh, test. Um, and I understand the complaint because it is stressful to take a test. You know, um, it's it's difficult. You have to study. You have to work. You have to prepare for tests. There's no excuse for it. But people who try to say, now now some people are trying to say the test is racist. Some people are trying to say the test is not uh, judge who is truly meritorious um, I-, I would say give the test a little more credit than you think um, because the reason why the SAT was created was actually to prevent discrimination not to discriminate against people uh, the test the standardized uh, aptitude test is designed to test objective intelligence and also preparation those are both meritorious characteristics for getting into college Um and actually, it was designed to eliminate the role of dis- discrimination. You know, you're not, you're not being asked to, uh, you know, uh, look at or to, to study Western history or Western thought or white supremacy or anything like that. You're being asked to study math and you're being asked to study English. You know, those are not white supremacist instruments of our nation. Those are instruments designed to be standardized. And so before you get get all it up in arms about the test, understand its value and understand why you use it to judge people.
2: You have a a chapter called the effing test. Uh, a couple letters left out yeah. there. Tests are a big thing.
3: <laughs> tests tests are a big thing. Um, you know, I tell the I tell this story, tell this story in, in my book in Stuyvesant High School and the specialized high schools in New York City. Stuyvesant High School is the top high school in New York City. Admissions into Stuyvesant is solely by a test, by one grade on a test. And Mm -hmm. what they do is they take the top X people from this SHSAT, that's the name of the test, and they admit them into Stuyvesant High School. And people complain about this and say, well, what about my child? He has a better personality. Well, what about my child? He's holistically gifted. Um, But studies turn out that Stuyvesant High School has retained and expanded its position at the the top high school in New York City, and it's not in danger of losing that reputation anytime soon. And, yeah, it's because of this admission entrance exam. Uh, So people can complain about it, people can attack it, people can grumble about it, but the results speak for themselves. And, oh, and by the way, Stuyvesant High School is 70% Asian. That's another reason why people are, you know, uh, against it and up in arms about it, because they're worried about their own kids, too.
2: Hey, uh, Kenny, I'm out of time. I could go on with you. There's a lot of great stuff in the book. Uh, great job on the book. Congratulations. And I hope lots of people read it. Some really important stuff in there. Thank you.
3: Thank you. July 13th, you can get it on Amazon, Barnes and & Noble, and everywhere books are sold.
2: Okay, it's Kenny Shu and it's The Incon- and Inconvenient Minority, The Attack on Asian American Excellence and the Fight for Meritocracy.
4: Are you a successful advertising sales professional? Are you happy with your current company? I'm Mike Reed, Senior Vice President of Salem Media Representatives. 2020 was a record year for our company, and that momentum has carried over to this year. As a result, we are looking to expand our sales team. Each day, our national marketing strategists work with CEOs, chief marketing officers, ad agency executives, and buyers to construct successful multimedia ad campaigns. Salem Media Representatives represents hundreds of radio stations, including several of America's largest contemporary Christian music stations, the Salem Radio Network talk shows, and the Salem Podcast and Influencer Networks. Our national marketing strategists enjoy a competitive yet positive management-supportive environment and a competitive compensation package. If you're a successful advertising sales professional, let's talk. Email us your resume at sales at salemreps.com. That's sales at salemreps.com. Salem Media Representatives is a division of Salem Media Group, an equal opportunity employer. Excuse me.
1: Why don't you have life insurance yet? I've got diabetes, and I know the price will be through the roof for the pre existing condition. Well, actually, SelectQuote makes it easy to get very affordable life insurance, even
4: if you have a health issue. I'm listening. You'll get quotes from some of the country's most trusted carriers. Even with your diabetes, you can get around $250,000 in insurance for as little as a dollar a day.
1: That would be amazing. (laughs) What's it called again?
4: Select Quote. Just call or go to selectquote.com to get your free quote. Get the coverage you need at a price you can afford. Call 1-800-694-1010. Or go to selectquote.com today. That's 1-800-694-1010 or SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Get full details on example policy at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Monthly premiums vary based on health company and other factors. Not available in all states.
0: This is an urgent warning for any American with an IRA or 401k. Our federal debt is now over $28 trillion and growing faster by the second. What no one is telling you is the Fed is running out of ways to fight this growing burden. Inflation is the only way out. As a result, your retirement portfolio could be in serious trouble. Learn how you can protect your life savings with safe haven assets like physical gold and silver. Call 855-908-0039 now and speak to a professional. Professional at Gold Co. Representatives are standing by to give every caller a free Precious Metals IRA guide with steps you can take to secure your financial future with Precious Metals. Call 855-908-0039 now. The pros at Gold Co. have helped thousands of satisfied Americans own gold and silver inside their portfolios to protect against the rising threat of inflation. Pick up your phone now and dial 855-908-0039. Representatives are standing by. This is the John
2: Stecker-Walt Show on AM
0: 1250 and FM
2: 92.5. The answer. Well, I'm so sick of hearing about woke and being woke. That I'm almost uh, reaching the point. I'm almost. I have almost reached the point where I'm, I don't want to even use the word anymore. But it just. It's every day. There's something. Uh, have you seen the latest from Victoria's Secret? Now, I, I think everybody knows what Victoria's Secret's all about. It's about lingerie and clothes that uh, women wear to. Uh, the, to please their man, to, to please men in general. And it's, uh, you know, they, I don't know how long they've been around, but it's been around for a long time. Well, uh, I just got blocked on Twitter today because I I, I, I used the word suicide. And I got blocked, uh, for the, uh, suspended, I think, for a day. Because you're not allowed to promote self-harm uh, and suicide. Uh, but I was, replo- I was. All I did was was enter one word, suicide, uh, as a response to the story that Megan Rapinoe is now going to be the woman that's going to be the like the face of of Victoria's Secret. Uh, unless they're trying to promote birth control, I, I don't know what you know. I don't, I don't. I don't know why they think that's a good idea, but. Um, they they came out with some kind of ridiculous statement that they, that our focus has been too much on men and, and, and pleasing men with our outfits, and now we're going to start focusing on uh, pleasing uh, and appealing to women. Well, uh, that's fine, but that's not why the company exists. And if it had not been for the the company's uh, intelligence and their... their, uh, their their ability to market to the right people, it wouldn't exist right now. It wouldn't have been around this long. If if, if somebody like Megan Rapinoe was modeling their stuff like for the last 25 or 30 years, they'd have been out of business about 22 years ago. So that's the latest. Victoria's Secret, down the toilet, and as I said on Twitter, suspended or not, economic suicide. Have a nice time. Talk to you tomorrow.
0: John Staggerwolf Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.